Calvary. Um, as you can tell, we are partnering with uh, Angel Tree and it's a, their encouragement of our good friend John Kelly at Chicago West Bible Church uh, challenged us to do this. I think it's a great ministry. It's a way that we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus in our community and practice this authentic community that we talked about last week. Speaking of that, we are starting a brand new series called One today. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4 if you want to turn there. But this is the idea of what would it look like if we as a church functioned in the way that God wants us to function? Not just Calvary, but the church as a whole. But what would it look like if we operated and walked and lived and conducted ourselves in a biblical manner? You see, far too often we work against each other. I remember growing up in a church and going to a church business meeting. Any, any like six-year-old church business meeting kids in the house? And I went to a church business meeting on a Wednesday night, and I remember a man standing up and saying the following, um, I think our secretaries are spending too much money on paper clips. And I was a little kid at the time, and I didn't understand that that was actually a metaphor for the larger scope of what he was saying is they're spending too much money on office supplies. But in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm a kid, and I can afford the paper clips. Why are we arguing? And I, I remember them going back and the forth, and, and, and sometimes those debates were coming out, and, and sometimes we in the church just get in our own way. And, and good things become bad, and, and sometimes there, there are bigger things that become bad. And, and we struggle, and the, the church is full of broken people. If you're expecting to find a perfect church, you're not going to find one. The church is full of hypocrites. <laughs> Because we all need the same Jesus and the same Savior. But when the church functions as it should, we point each other to the holiness of what God's asked us to be. We become excited about what His church should look like. And it makes a difference not only in our lives, but should spread out into the community around us. This is where we're going. And in doing so, we're going to look at Ephesians. Why Ephesians? Well, Ephesians is the most circulated of Paul's letters. As a result, its application includes a broad theology. In other words, the, the book of Philippians was written to the church in Philippi. The church of Corinthians received two letters, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Ephesus was a community with multiple churches. And so when it's writing to the churches, churches in Ephesus, this letter was designed to be circulated. So it's not addressing singular problems, but rather a broader scope theology. So when you read the book of Ephesians, you don't have to worry as much about the idea of does this apply in every situation? The answer is yes. Okay? That was a little free information. But as you also understand Ephesians, here's what it says. Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 are mostly doctrine. They tell us what to believe, while Ephesians 4 through 6 contains the application on how to practice those doctrines. Some of you are like, this is the coolest stuff ever. How did I not know this? Some of you are like, get to the point. Here's the point. We're about to read Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning in 1, verse 1. And this is where the application of the doctrine he's just covered takes place. This is what it looks like for us as the church to live out the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus. Therefore, I, prisoner in the Lord, Paul's writing there, prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you've received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of, of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, 
one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Can you see where we got the title one? The idea of what this looks like is we are bonded together, we are unified together, and it, the way that we know that we're doing that is, it, he says there, therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling. To walk. The Greek word there is peripateo. It's one of my favorite words. And the reason I like it so much is Paul used that word, and it literally means to walk. He used it so much that he, through the Bible, literally changed the meaning of the world. So if you go over to Greece and you use that word, it means to live your life in such a way that it's the way that you conduct yourself in every moment. How cool is that? It's the idea of we are walking with Christ. And, and so around here we say we are followers, making followers of Jesus. This is our mission statement. And as we follow Christ, we are walking with Him. Walking right behind Him, walking with Him. We are following where He leads. This is the way that we, we bring this out. This is the way that we develop this. We are following Him as we do. And as we do that, what ends up happening is we are then carrying out what I hope are the four follower statements. So the four follower statements are also four statements that are found over the bathrooms. You're welcome. Um, I don't know why. That was just the biggest wall. Ignore the fact that it's by the bathrooms, okay? And as we put those up, that's the effect. So the cause is we're following Christ, but the way that we know we're following Christ, the, way, the measuring stone of whether we know we are successfully succeeding in our calling as a church is we're not just followers that follow— uh, we're not just followers making followers of Jesus— we are followers who share what they Very good. Advanced class. We're followers who serve God and others. We're followers who follow Jesus. That's kind of a discipleship saying. That's kind of an easy one, right? And we're followers who give sacrificially or generously. So when we do those things, it is the outpouring, and that's the measure. That's the fruit on the trees that we pick off that we're going to get to later. When, when we understand how we live it out. So as we begin this, one way to ask yourself, how bought am I into the mission, the calling, is to ask yourself, are you sacrificing? Are you serving? Are you sharing? Are you growing in your discipleship with Christ? And if not, why not? Maybe it's because you are bonded. It says we are being bonded to him. Paul, as a prisoner of the Lord, that's the idea of bondage. We just watched a video on incarceration. Who likes the idea of being in prison? Not me. And what he's really saying there is, we were deserving of our crimes, right? Who's deserving of crimes? We all are. Why? Because we sinned. We've already covered this. We're all hypocrites. We all fall short. We all deserve eternal separation from God. We deserve prison a life separated from God. But God, the Father, sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross. And the Bible says, if you believe in your heart that He was crucified on that cross, this is the Easter story, that He was buried in the tomb, and that He rose again and is alive today, that you can live with Him, and then you can walk right out of the prison cell that you deserve and into a life with Him. Now here's the catch. When you walk out of that prison cell of misery, you become bonded with him, and you become a follower of him. You become a prisoner of him. Why would I want to become a prisoner of him? Because living for yourself is what got you in trouble to begin with. It's a joy to be bonded with Christ. 
Another way to explain this. The closest illustration in the Bible to represent our relationship with God is supposed to be the covenant of a marriage between a husband and a wife. Okay? You know what happens when husbands and wives get married? They, they stand up in front of a church and they, they declare to everyone that they're going to spend the rest of their life bonded with each other, finding each other out, knowing all there is to know about it. But a lot of times, especially if you're a guy, when you're getting married, some, some people will try to tease you, right? And so they might say, oh, are you ready to have the old ball and chain, right? And what I would like you to say, especially if you're a college student, one day and someone says that to you, you go, that's right, I'm going to, because I'm going to be bonded with her. That's right. And you know what? I want to be bonded with her. Where she goes, I want to go. Where he goes, I want to go. I want, this is not a burden to me. This is something I willfully carry. I am in a relationship with this person from now into eternity. Yes, it's a ball and chain, and I carry it greatly. And here's the cool thing. When we walk with Christ, it's very similar to that. Only the ball and the chain God himself is carrying for us. So we just get to walk with him, and he carries our burdens, and he's carrying and walking beside us so that when we walk into a relationship with Christ, yes, we become shackled to him. But like the hula hoop illustration I've described, when you walk with Christ, the presence of God goes everywhere with you. It's not something you put down on Sunday morning and pick up when you're on your way to church and then lay it down. God is with you everywhere. This is freedom. This is hope. Having a bad day, he's there. Having a great day, he's there. The birth of your child, he's there. The death of a parent, he's there. God is always with you. This is not a crutch. This is freedom. So if that's what it means to be bonded to Christ, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Don't shy away from that. But yet we struggle for that sometimes because we don't like the idea of someone being in charge of us. But can I tell you that's where freedom is? To trust God and to give him all of you. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, let me just tell you, Jesus died for you. You can accept him by giving him your heart, your soul, and everything. We'd love to talk to you more about this at the end of the service up front. There'll be a couple people up forward or go to yourcalvary.info and splash baptism, fill out the form. You don't even have to know everything there. Just fill it out as best you can and we'll follow up with you. We want to tell you more about what the joy of being a follower of Christ. And what happens is, as we do this, as we be, bond, begin to bond with him, we understand that this is a joy to walk in his presence. His characteristics will become revealed in us. What are those characteristics? Well, it says humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. That sounds very familiar. It almost sounds like peace. Patience, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. Oh, it's the fruits of the Spirit. So as we become bonded with Him, we start taking on His characteristics. Because, you know, if you spend a lot of time with someone, you start to be like them. Have you ever noticed that? Like, for instance, I, especially for the younger people in the room, let me just warn you, no matter how hard you try, you will turn into your parents. And they're going to make a Geico commercial about you. It's a thing. And you can sit there and go, I love this about my parents. And you won't have that, but you'll marry that, right? I don't like this about my parents. And Mom and dad, if you're listening, I love you great. You've done perfect job, okay? But you're going to have some things that you say, oh. Like some of the jokes I tell. Oh, never mind. Um, 
it's really more my grandfather than my dad, that's true, okay? So as we start unwrapping this, we start saying, okay, we're going to become like him. Do you show the characteristics of Christ? This is where freedom is found. So the result of a, a bonded person is you become bonded with his body of believers, okay? So here's where he transitions from, he's writing to you, 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 and you, you, and he's saying, as a prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to answer your calling to you choose to walk with Christ. But he's writing to so many yous, and what ends up happening is you becomes you all. And then you all represent his church. Because his church, as we're going to talk more about this in the weeks to come, is both a present location, so Calvary is a church, right? But it's also wherever two or more people are gathered in his name. It can also be found in denominations. Denominations aren't necessarily bad. It's like an arm, okay? I need this arm and I need this arm. Chop off one arm and the body doesn't function. Let the denomination serve as a different part of the body, all right? And as you're thinking about this, as you start wrapping, what's your part of the body? This is how we grow. This is our calling. And so what ends up happening is you becomes you all, and we adopt the same spirit. It bonds us with peace. Peace does not mean a truce. Peace means right relationship. If we said there was political peace in our country right now, would any of you expect that to actually carry? You know, it's just like it's not an election year anymore right now. Right? But as followers of Jesus, if we have peace, then there's no more hardship but here's the hard part we will still have difficulties in this world but we will have the peace of God to help us overcome the things in this world how we have the same goal so we lean into each other the same goal to come and accept Christ as the head of this body and to come and follow him so yes as the body has many parts, so does the church, and you have a role to play. Isn't it funny to think that we have a role to play? We're going to talk much more about the body, spirit, Lord, faith, baptism, God and Father of all in the next few weeks. It's the one body, one faith, one Lord. It's in the title, y'all. Just bear with me, okay? We're going to get there. But today, the idea of one calling is that there is a unity in calling. There is a uniting as a church that should function. It doesn't mean that we have to think the same, operate the same, act the same, but it means that we do have the same calling. So why do we struggle with that calling? Well, I think the pandemic has shown us some of that, right? You may not realize this, and statistics are often argued over. Why? Because 62.1% of all statistics are made up on the spot, right? You can quote me on that. It was 73.4%, okay? Sometimes it's 19, I don't know. But the reality is, in the church in America, since the pandemic hit, a large swath of people are gone. Congratulations, you're here. Some of you, maybe it's the first time back. And there's a lot of reasons that, that may have happened, but here's what I think from talking to countless numbers of pastors at this point, counting, talking, it's because I think we as a church have not always done a good job of setting up what the church should be. We haven't established our calling. 
Instead, we've made the church a consumer mentality. Hey, we don't want to inconvenience you, so would you please come? We're going to make it as easy for you as possible, and we're hoping that you will grow close to God through osmosis, just being in the room. We're not going to raise the bar and challenge you. We're not going to ask you to give. I mean, I know you probably spent $150 yesterday at the, the football game for one person and a bucket of popcorn, right? But we don't want to ask you to give at the church any of your time or your resources or efforts or energy. We don't, we don't want you. We just want to make it easy because we love you. And, and that's the problem is we've created a consumer. The church is here to consume. They're here for me. So we bring our kids. and We want the church to take care of our kids. But don't ask me to serve. We hope someone teaches our kids about youth. Our youth about God. That's what I meant to say. We hope the pastor's entertaining, because if not, there's another one down the road. And we have a consumer. I bought my ticket, so I'm sitting in a chair. That's not the church. So what is the calling? Well, I think it's to plug in. Why don't we plug in? I read an article by Influence Magazine. It says, there's many in the church that no longer value, that were in the church, that no longer value the importance of being in a community with other believers. Think about that. They no longer value the importance. This is from Influence Magazine. Why don't they value with it? They don't value because they had a weak attachment. You can't be attached to something that you attend once a month. Some of you are like, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, maybe. But some of us would never miss a baseball practice. But we don't think the second thing about a missing a Sunday morning. You don't value it. And why don't we value it? It's because we haven't really seen Christ as the head. And maybe it's because we haven't bought into our calling. And as I was thinking about it, the article goes on, but there's, there's one other characteristic I think that really struck me that is very evident in the church today. The church tends to prove the law of inertia. That's the following. An object at rest stays at rest. And an object in motion stays in motion. It's the hardest thing to do is when you're at rest is to start going. Right? So what am I asking you to do to embrace your calling today? Because if you've been a person who's been a lump on a log, it's hard to take the first step, but wait for it. What are we supposed to do to walk with the Lord? So today, the challenge of the calling begins with asking you to begin to walk in His presence. To accept Jesus, to, to be active and move in this church. But Daniel, that's all great, but you still haven't told us what is our calling. Well, Ephesians 4 describes the application. Remember me saying that? But there's a very key word that starts Ephesians 4.1. If you've been around here very long at all, you know me. I've, I thank Dr. Grambling at uh, Howard Payne University, home of the Mining and Fighting Yellow Jackets, Stingham, who taught me this. And I've said this many times here over and over again. Um, here is what we learned from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore. That's it. So if you've been around here very long, I, I always tell you this, courtesy Dr. Gary Gramling, right? Anytime you see the word therefore, you have to see what it is there for. <laughs> 
So he's told us our calling in the previous chapter. So let's look back and read Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. This is the calling of the church. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. To be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. To be strengthened with his power in his inner being in your spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted, having a foundation, having a core understanding and firmly established love may be able to comprehend with all the saints or other believers what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge that may be filled with all the fullness of God. What's the goal? To be filled with God. Why? Because we're followers who follow Jesus. <laughs> That's the goal! Daniel, how do we know we're accomplishing it? It says that we are proceeding and the goal is that you would have more understanding than knowledge. In other words, you can't know all there is to know about God. You can't comprehend, but he's praying that you will comprehend his love even more than you can understand, which is the reality that if yesterday you were living a life of sin and you came to church today, you might feel like, oh, God can't love me. He does. You might have been the couple who was having an argument in the church in the car this morning on the way to church, right? Even though I warned you about it last week. And you're sitting there going, he warned us about this week. How can we do this? He loves you. Some of you can walk out of here like Peter's denial at the end. And you say, this is great. I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to give my life to Christ. And this afternoon, you will literally stumble over your tongue and gossip and lie and say, hateful words to the people you care most about and you're going to feel unlovable but yet God's love does not cease child you are loved by God and this is the call of us to say yeah we're not going to live in the if there's patterns of sin we want to to help you to have a life that's better but you are made as a son or a daughter of the king. You are not junk or a mistake. You are loved. What would have happened if we all caught such a glimpse of that that it became contagious? Think that might make a difference in the world? So our calling is to unite with other believers in seeking the magnitude of God's vast love. That's it. Should be that easy, right? We're called to reach others, to challenge each other, and to love out of the abundance of God's love for us. So simple. I don't, I don't know why any churches struggle with this. Well, let me give you a few reasons why the churches struggle with this, okay? Because we're people. So let me give you a few cautions about how we might get distracted as we kind of wrap this up. The first one, there's something called the underwater basket weaving ministry. Anybody ever heard of it? Yeah, good. The underwater basket weaving ministry is when someone comes and they says, I feel very passionate about underwater basket weaving. And you're sitting there going, that's great. We're not going to do that. How could you tell me we're not doing underwater basket weaving? Well, we live above ground. You can't breathe under there. But God has called me to that. And sometimes we feel so called by something, but it isn't actually fit into the church because we won't take correction. It's not a calling for your benefit. It has to be for the body. One way to distract. Another way to distract. Take a good ministry 
And we have lots of great ministries here. We have a deacon body. We have a personal team. We have a finance team. We care for the poor, the marginalized. Maybe you feel passionate about orphanages or discipleship, evangelism, worship team, student community, men's ministry, women's ministry, celebrate recovery, and whichever one I'm forgetting right now, I apologize. Please don't get mad. But the very fact that we get mad is the other caution. Because we can find our identity and our hope in, I am the pastor of this church. You get that, right? I am a deacon. I am a... And so we start going, this is the most important thing. Hear me. We need people to champion the deacon cause. We need people to be passionate about mission trips. We need people loving on the children and the youth. But the way this works is we all buy in and we all do our part. Why? Because the body needs all its parts to function. So let me challenge you with the following other personal illustration. Y'all need to pray for me. I'm a Texas Longhorn fan. If you don't know anything, they lost again last night. Badly, a cyclone came through. And part of me died. And I don't get it, because, like, Texas is like, you know, Texas. It, it makes the most money. It has the, some of the best facilities. And they have all of these recruits that have five-star rankings. You know what five-star rankings are? That's the, like, very, very few recruits ever get a five-star ranking. This is like, you know, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like very, very few. It's the elite of the elite. It's what your kids are not, okay? <laughs> Seriously, some of you need to realize that now. That's a gift that I'm telling you. And I sit here and I go, why can't Texas win? And they lost to Iowa. Iowa State always seems to beat Texas, and they don't have the facilities or the players. And then a quote last night was said by one of the Iowa State players from a year ago, a running back who's really good, and he said, they were like, why do you think Iowa State always beats Texas? He goes, it's the difference in five-star athletes and five-star culture. And part of me really hurt because that's like, oh, he's so right. You get all these prima donnas who are like told they're the best thing and they don't know how to play nice. Then I thought, oh, isn't that the church far too often? I want to be a part of a five-star culture. And I'm excited about where we're going. Maybe we're at four and a half stars, maybe four stars. Maybe you think we're two star. I don't really care. Just don't rate us on Google. It shouldn't matter. Some people get worked up about that. But the reality is the only way we can be that is the five-star culture is just you and you and you and you and you get off the bench and realize that God doesn't make two-star church members. You're all five stars and you play your part. And to take the sports metaphor just one step too far, some of you will be quarterbacks. Some of you will be trainers. Some of you will be in the pep squad. We need the pep squad. Some of you will be in the band. Go band. <laughs> but it takes the whole team to create the culture. So here's our daily training. You want to be one? You want us to really grow in this? Here's what I would ask today. Partner with us in calling and in membership. You don't like the word partner with us? Maybe you see the word team there, or unite. So that's really good. Partner. Be a part of the team. Come around with us. 
get off the bench and find a way to plug in and how do i know where to start here's a good first place to start and december 5th we're having discovering calvary it tells you all about our church if you've never been sign up today for that you can go there right now you can pull out your phone in church pastor gives you permission and sign up and go to that and we're going to find and teach you how to plug into our church what we believe and it may be that you don't plug in here well maybe you need to go to another church they're on the same team there's a different it's all football not really it's all ministry carry it out but get out of the stands join us because followers follow Jesus followers share what they know followers serve God and others followers give sacrificially this is how we become the church and embrace one calling so that you and your family may know the height and the width and the depth and the breadth of God's love. So may you sense that today. May his presence fall on you. May he overwhelm you with his peace, his love, his joy. May you feel like the innermost part of your soul is being embraced by the God of this universe. God doesn't make mistakes. He loves you. May the peace of God dwell in your hearts. God, speak. And may we listen. God, help us to know what that first step is to get the ball rolling. God, those of us who are already rolling, help it to not be about us, but you. We pray for our sister churches in our community and around the world that we would all unite together. This is one calling to show how good you are. So may you be exalted. May we be able to say how much we love you and care for you. May you be the one that we sing our praises to and live for you in every way. In your holy and precious name we pray. In the name of Jesus.